Chapter Twenty Five of Curly by Roger Pocock. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Twenty Five: A Million Dollars Ransom. In giving my own account of this unpleasantness, which happened between the Duchesne and Ryan families, I've just grabbed Truth by the tail and tried to stay right with her. But Truth runs swift and raises plenty dust of lies round her heels, so maybe, whirling along, I miss good facts. Happens I've been poorly provided with one eye and a lot of prejudice to see the trail ahead. Likely I've not been the only party interested. Anyway, outsiders could watch the stampede without getting choked with dust. Now, these conclusions struck me abrupt like a bat in the eye when I sat down to rest in camp at Echo Spring. Before leaving Brave City, while thinking of other worries, I had caught a copy of a local paper, stuffed the same in my rear pocket, and disremembered having such possessions. I never thought of it until my tigers, hungering for news, caught sight of the bulging paper and rushed my camp to grab. Then I unfolded the weekly obituary to these boys, all setting around on their tails and pointing their ears for instruction. I read to them about a certain shock-eyed Davies, who seemed to be a most astonishing, outrageous villain, performing simultaneous crimes in several places at once. My tigers heard for more. Then came a whole page of revelations concerning the kidnapped priests, otherwise styled the stolen millionaire, and the brigands pray. It was clearly proved that the chalk-eyed villain, Jim Duchesne, described as a broken-down swell, and Captain McCalmont had joined together in purloining Michael Ryan and hiding him up in a cave, the place being well known to the authorities. This cave was inaccessible by land and water, guarded with machine guns, and supplied with all modern conveniences, especially searchlights. Our special representative had been there, but declined to give particulars for fear of driving the bandits to still more desperate measures. Then came the weekly obituary gallery of fine portraits. We knew them all well, because they were served up frequent to represent murderers, politicians, actresses, preachers, scandalous British duchesses, and other notorious persons. Now they represented McCalmont, Curly, Chalkeye, Jim, Michael Ryan, Mrs. Michael, and old Mrs. Ryan. The weekly obituary said it was wishful with these identifications to assist the ends of justice. After this, the next page was all quotations from leading papers throughout the Republic, proving how plumb depraved the robbers were how wicked it was to purloin the rich and good out of their private cars, and how the federal government ought to act in this shocking catastrophe. The New York papers just burned themselves with wrath because Michael's present engagements prevented him a whole lot from attending to railroad business. His financial combine was due to collapse completely unless he took hold at once. Last came our special supplement, 
with the very latest news it seems that michael had written to his wife in new york likewise that somebody stole the letter from her and sold it to the new york megaphone then all the papers copied michael's letter and laid the blame on the megaphone here is the letter september eighth nineteen hundred dear kathleen on twenty eighth alt i was abducted at grave city out of my car by brigands and carried blindfold lashed on to the back of a horse for several hundred miles through frightful country arriving here fourth instant when i got here i weighed ninety-eight pounds indeed i was nearly dead but now the robbers are feeding me up so that i'm gaining flesh although i'm still kept prisoner in close confinement i don't know the whereabouts of this house but it's a large ranch building of logs in the middle of pine woods at nights i'm almost frozen so it must be high up in some range of mountains the country looks flat from the window a robber told me once that the place is in california now dearest you will take this as my authority and raise the sum of one million dollars to pay my ransom and save me from being murdered you know who to go to and offer securities for the loan get in the best terms you can this money must be paid one-tenth in u s gold currency and the balance in notes of fifty dollars and under bring it to flagstaff in arizona and ask for military escort there you will charter a wagon and have the treasure delivered at the point where the tuba trail from flagstaff crosses the little colorado river right in the middle of the painted desert the wagon must then be abandoned and the escort to withdraw to canyon diablo leaving no spies behind the chief of the robbers tells me that the man he sends with a team to get this wagon will be a perfectly innocent farmer and that any parties attempting to molest join or follow him will be killed so quick they'll never know what struck them i must earnestly warn you as you value my life to prevent any attempt whatever to watch or track the wagon or prior to my release to permit any hostile movement against the robbers or to deliver any money short of the full ransom or to mark any coin or note for future identification if the terms are not absolutely complied with in every detail within forty days from date that is by noon of eighteenth october i shall be murdered if the ransom is delivered as per instructions by eighteenth october and found correct the robbers will then disperse and have no further use for me they promise then to deliver me at the nearest ranch or farm on or before first november Private now dearest of my own free will and without compulsion from the robbers i want to ease my mind of a great burden by confessing to you as i shall to holy church if ever i get the chance under this dreadful visitation i see things in their true light which before were hid i guess there's not the slightest doubt that lord balshannon was one of the blackest scoundrels that ever disgraced this earth apart from his odious crimes in ireland his later life was steeped in villainy for years at holy cross ranch he was in open league with this gang of robbers who have captured me one of them chaka davies 
the notorious horse-thief, was his foreman, and Captain McCormick's son went there to get educated in crime. Once, Balshannon actually hired the gang to rob my father of $75,000. Under such circumstances, I am awed by the sublime courage of my father in this single-handed war against Balshannon and his outlaws. I stood at father's side in the last fight when Balshannon murdered him. I fired first in the fusillade which avenged the old man's death, and, untrained as I am to such wild warfare of the frontier, I try to be worthy of my blood. But when I think of Balshannon's son, I realize now that he fought for his father as I fought for mine. Afterwards, blinded with passion, I brought a charge against him and swore that he alone was guilty of my father's death. I had no right to do that. The young chap was innocent. The charge was a put-up job, but the evil one must have possessed me entirely, for when several witnesses thought they could please me by swearing Jim's life away, I was a party to their perjuries. More, I was induced to help them with money to leave the country and so escape arrest. If I sin, I am punished, for as the robbers were Balshannon's partners, so they took sides with his son. Because I attacked the lad, they abducted me. That is my punishment, Kathleen, and it is just. In one thing I am puzzled, because I expected to find Balshannon's son with the robbers. I have not seen him, and McCalmick swears that Jim de Chesney took no part in this outrage. Kathleen, we've got to do right in this business. I want the charge against James de Chesney withdrawn right now. When I am free, I shall give him back his home and lands, all that father sees, and ask him to forget that there was ever a quarrel between our families. Dear love, it breaks my heart to think of your anxiety. As for my business interests, I dare not think of what may be involved by my long absence. Malvernine, you must save me quick, or worse will happen yet. Your distracted lover, Michael. It made me sorry to think of that poor devil. You see, he tended strict to business first, then strutted a while to show himself off to his woman, before he unfolded his crooked little soul in the part marked private. His letter gave me plenty to think about. Still, I had my own concerns to worry me, for Monty took me round our herd, which had grown in surprising ways during my absence. The mares, it seemed, had gotten more prolific than usual, giving birth to full-grown horses, ready brand. On the whole, I concluded that if any of the neighbors happened around, my boys would find that pasture unhealthy with symptoms of lead poisoning. I advised them to quit, so they agreed to ship the herd along eastward and sell out in Texas. Meanwhile, I cut out Curly's buckskin mare, and a few of my own pet runners who knew how to show their tails to any pursuers. We took twelve good stayers from the herd, and a little wall-eyed pack mule who had fallen dead in love with Curly's mare. So Curly and I were ready for our march. As to that young person, from the moment she hit the trail out of Grave City, the wound in her arm healed rapid, and she sure forgot to be an invalid. Two days we fed and rested her, but then she began to act warlike, oppressing me for sloth. 
on the third morning i loaded the pack mule told the boys good-bye and trailed off with curly pointing for robber's roost when water won't cure thirst but the juice in your mouth turns to slime caking in lumps on your lips when the skin dries up because there's no more sweat when your eyes ache and your brain mills round that's arizona the air shakes in waves like a mist of cobwebs and through that quiver the landscape goes all skew for some of the mountains float up clear of the land and some turn upside down standing on rows of pillars along the skyline then the hollows of the land fill with blue mist blue lakes and cactus bushes change into waving palm trees by the waterside how can a man keep his head when the world goes raving crazy all round him you have just to keep on remembering that your eyes have quit being responsible that your nose is a liar that your ears are fooled then keep a taut rein on yourself for fear your wits stampede and your legs go chasing visions down the trail to death that valley of central arizona got me plumb bewildered a country of bare earth and mesquite brush like mist with huge big trees of cactus standing in one grove a hundred miles across then came a hillside of black cinders lifting a hundred miles but the top was a level mesa surely the first place i ever seen with good grass under pine trees i had never seen woods before and this coconino forest is the sort of pasture i'd want to go after this present life a hunger none for golden pavements or any desert layout nor am i wishful for a harp having a taste for guitars nor for flopping around on wings nor a crown of glory the same being ostentatious a whole lot pasture like this a horse a camp a spring such promises as them would lure me to being good right in the heart of this forest there's a bunch of dead volcanoes called the san francisco peaks lifting their frosty heads into the sky and round the skirts of lava at their feet lies broken country curly showed good judgment in making camps but hereabouts i thought she had lost her wits for she led me over broken lava flows heart-breaking ground for the horses where we had to dismount and climb then all of a sudden we dropped down hid from all the world into a meadow walled around with lava this tract had escaped when the rest was overflowed so happened there was grass among the bull pines and right at the head of the field a little cave with space of floor for camping beside a bubbling spring we struck the place at noon and camped my partner concluding to lie over until she could make a night scout in search of news she slept through the afternoon while i stood guard outside up to that time we had been scared to make fire at night or show a smoke by day except for the minutes when we needed boiling coffee besides that we could never camp within ten miles of a water hole but had to ride on after drinking to win the nearest grass this country being all ate up around the pools here we had grass and water the cave to hide our fire 
and certainty besides of not being caught without warning it was mighty fine to set around the fire after supper you chalkeye curly lit up a cigarette and broke into silence which had lasted days what does it feel like being safe we're safe enough here little partner till i hit the trail for this scouting but i mean to live safe day after day without nobody ever wanting to kill you ain't it some monotonous not to hurt it must feel sort of neglected i read a book once about folks in england which i kept on reading and reading to see if anything happened set meals and go to bed and get up in the morning the girl was a sure enough fool and as to the boy well he wore government socks and didn't love the law then he married a widow by mistake which she had a forked tongue a bad eye and parted her hair on one side looking rather cute that boy just aimed to cut his throat for seventy-three pages then didn't after all which was plumb discouraging instead of that he got a government job inspecting the clouds and drawing salary then the witty she talked herself to death and quit out afterwards that boy took sixty-one pages to get a kiss from the heroine there was a deanery in it and a funny parrot i reckon that's all the story they married sure and nothing happened ever afterwards sick kids them characters was awful safe from getting excited will it be that away when i get tame enough to marry jim feeling that said jim was a lot unworthy of her i strayed out to study how much our camp was visible it seemed like we couldn't be attacked without our visitors cussing around first in the lava they'd bark their shins and we'd hear gentle protests when i came back curly was brooding still about her jim he'll be a duke like the old patron says she and sure as i'm a lady i'll be tired of life robes go with that job and a golden crown such as the angels wear i reckon that's only for sunday best i told her to go to church why now ain't that just fine and how my wolves would laugh to see she stood up swaggering before the fire her hand on her revolver her laugh ringing echoes round the cave just you think says she of me a lady footman at the church door to announce us lord and lady balshannon and jim and me goes button along to our pew then the preacher he rears up to talk his sermon my lord my lady and you common ordinary brethren can't you see jim spit on his crown and give it a rub with his sleeve and me snarled up in my robe like a roped hoss then we ride off home to the castle and jim says be shrew thee go to thou varlet and wrestle the grub pile for i shoot the cook then the valet says there's a deputy marshal come to arrest us both for stealing cows so jim has him hung in the moat afterwards we put in the whole afternoon shooting foxes and other british sports until it's time for supper then play stud poker beside the parlor stove you're to come and stop with us chalkeye sing to me curly says i because her voice was sweet enough to gentle a grizzly bear and it always smoothed my fur 
it seems to me i can see her now her eyes green and flame in the firelight her face i can't describe her face here's a moccasin track in the dress it's no more than the length of me hand and in her instep just see how it lifts if that ain't just the best in the land for the maid ran as free as the wind and her foot was as light as the snow why as sure as i follow i'll find me a kiss while her red blushes grow here's two small little feet and a skirt here's a soft little heart all aglow see me trail down the dear little flirt by the sign which she left in the snow did she run twas a hint to make haste and why bless her i'm sure she won't mind if she's got any kisses to waste why she knew that a man was behind did she run cause she's only afraid no for sure twas to set me the pace and i've fallen in love with a maid when i ain't had a sight of her face there she is and i knew she was near will she pay me a kiss to be free will she hate will she love will she fear why the darling she's waiting to see in all the thousands of campfires dotted along the trail of my life that one is best to think of surely i believe that the big spirit sent us poor little spirits loose on the earth to be kicked and educated not to have nice times looking around at present facts we see how life is a cold hard business proposition so we have to keep a mighty sharp lookout for fear of being kicked off the premises the future glows with hope gay as a sunrise the past is full of memories shining glorious like the setting sun seems to me that in eternity when the cold present is mixed up with all the rainbow colors of past and future why then i'll hear curly's voice come soft through the pines and see her face in the fire where i camp so in my poor way i dream in this lone camp where i sit at present perhaps says you i'd better wake up right now and tend to my story at midnight curly rode into the town of flagstaff afterwards following the grand canyon trail at daybreak she happened by accident on a stagecoach broken down with a load of tourists the driver chanced to be a retired robber gone tame with rheumatism so she helped him to fix his linchpin which had snapped as to the tourists they were plumb content to find a real live cowboy who would talk to them most punchers steer shy of tourists but curly enjoyed them she was always curious as a young antelope at anything unusual in the way of game so she borrowed all their newspapers to read to her dying mother which was made then she told them good advice about keeping alert at night to watch for robbers on that the teamster cheered them up by divulging how robbers drink human blood to keep their courage boiling and how they like a baby when they are staled on pork curly imparted a few particulars and rode away with a high tail i was still asleep when she came whirling into camp whooping for breakfast rabbits 
Show leg, says she, and set out the grub pile swift while I go wrangle the hosses. We get a move on ourselves right after breakfast. There was something unusual, I thought, about the way she talked, a sort of high-strung excitement. As to her face, that was pale as ashes. By the time I'd cooked bacon and slapjacks, she had the horses in and fresh mounts saddled. How's Flagstaff? I asked while she washed herself at the spring. Ain't this just purty, she said to the bubbling water. Flagstaff. Why, it sure is the craziest town I ever seen. Her laugh was harsh to hear. You been showing your face in the street? Well, partly, but I covered up half my complexion to look like the toothache. So, she stuffed a ball of a handkerchief into her near cheek, bound the towel around her jaw, and looked most miserable. Oh, throw me a dentist, she howled, then broke out laughing. I surely did act pitiful. And why for is this town loco? I felt the girl was laughing so as not to cry. Well, says she, there's Joe Beef, the Utah sheriff, and a lot of little no-account sheriffs. There's a fat United States marshal with a chin whisker and a heap o' deputies. There's cowboys, scouts, and trackers, reporters, ambulances, dogs, pony soldiers. Have the Navajos broke out? No, the pale face has broke out. It's a whole epidemic, and there's an outfit on the war trail in Utah, another on the San Juan in Colorado, and they're going to eat up robber's roost. And you, Chalkeye, looking glum as a new-laid widow, scat you. Has they gone mad? I asked. The moment they make a break for Robert's roost, McCallum will kill this Ryan, scatter his wolves, and vanish. This must be only the escort for Ryan's ransom. It's plumb ridiculous, but there ain't no ransom. You're dreaming, Curly. This project of troops is sure death to Ryan. They'd risk the killing of a common, ordinary man, but a millionaire... That's where the joke comes. He ain't a millionaire. I saw her quit her breakfast, all untasted. Can't you be serious, child, for once? I asked, but it made me ache to see her face that way. I daren't be serious. I daren't think. I daren't. Just you look at them papers. I snatched at the nearest paper, opened it, and thought I must have been loco. There were the headlines. Ryan Combine Smashed. Collapse of the Trust. Panic on Change. The Kidnapped Millionaire. A Confessed Perjurer and Corrupter of Witnesses. Admits that he swore away the life of an innocent man. Behold thy financial gods, O Israel. I read on, dazed with the news. Public confidence at an end. Investors jumped from under. Ryan debentures a frost. Shares thrown on the ash heap. Petition in bankruptcy. Mrs. Ryan abandons all hope of a ransom. Federal government pledged to wipe out the bandits. Movement of troops. Sheriff Joe Beef interviewed on the situation. Forces taken the field. One of the robbers offers himself as a guide. Curly was pulling my sleeve. Come here, she said and there was surely something awful in her voice. 
look see that dragonfly she whispered and all them flowers using the spring for a mirror bending low and hear the bull pines whisper smell the great strong scent look thar at the blue sky and the cloud herds grazing that's like my home old chalkeye such sounds such good smells such woods and such a heaven overhead the boys air gentling hosses in the big corral or riding out to get a deer for supper my father sits in the doorway strumming hymns on his old guitar his dogs around him his little small cat pawing around to heaven and jim is thar my jim can't i be serious don't i think ain't i seeing that all blackened ruins bloody ground dead corpses rotten down by the corrals shadows of black wings across the yard oh god of mercy spare em. spare my wolves my home my father and jim is there she turned against me raging what air you waiting for has you just got to stand round all day you're scared that's what's the matter with y'all afraid to even carry a warning what do you want to pack the kitchen for i'm sure you stay there she jumped to her horse she sprang to the saddle she lashed her spurs for blood and whirled away to the northward End of chapter twenty five